Blog Talk Radio. It's been a long road Getting from there to here It's been a long time But my time is finally here I can feel the change in the wind right now Nothing's in my way Good evening, everyone. This is Dr. Jess Armine coming to you from the Center for Bioindividualized Medicine here in southeastern Pennsylvania. And we have a very special show tonight, and I can tell that the phone board is lighting up like crazy, and there's a bunch of people in the um, in the chat room. Okay, while everybody's gathering, I would like uh, our own herbalist, Megan, to uh, give us her herbal tip of the week. So, Megan, go for it. Oh, okay. Hi. <laughs> so this week what we're looking at is Trunca Piedra, which is an herb that is it's a tropical herb. And the reason I wanted to talk about it is a lot of people have problems um, that listen to the various shows with oxalates, kidney stones, IBS, um, and inflammation. And Chunka Piedra alleviates several of those issues and helps improve digestion. Um, it has pain relieving effects similar to white willow bark, but more when taken internally versus topically. Um, also, it helps normalize a fatty liver and it increases bile secretion in the gallbladder. And it also lowers your blood cholesterol levels. So it's really good for dealing with calcium oxalate, kidney stones, um, gallstones, maintaining your liver, kidney, and gallbladder, and it has very, very few side effects. Wonderful, wonderful. Yeah. Well, I'm really looking forward to our weekly um, herbal tip, um, and I appreciate your time. Um, and uh, I will let you go because oh, here comes Ben Lynch. I think All right, that's have a good night. All right, good night. Ben, is that you? Hello? Hello? Whoops. Oh, could you hold on, please? I thought it was Ben. Yes. Okay. It was the same. All right. Well, again, everybody, welcome. Um, I can see that uh, we have a whole mess of people waiting to ask questions. We have on the line with us um, Cynthia Smith and Sean Bean and myself and... um, we're waiting for, uh, we're not going to wait for it. Ben Lynch said that he would drop by and say hi. So uh, I'm going to go right to the phones so we don't waste any time. And if anybody who's in the chat room has a question, 
uh, please type it out. I'll be happy to ask the group. Okay, if anybody hears me typing, it's I'm answering stuff in the chat room. Okay, unfortunately, I can't um, I can't keep muting on and off. So hopefully, I won't interrupt anybody. So let's see who's been waiting the longest here. Okay, and the person in the 505 area code, are you there today? Hello. Hi. Okay. So I hope that person calls back. Um, it's reconnecting the server. Uh, that's nice. We're having a... Can anybody hear me? Yeah, we're having a bad storm. We're having a bad storm right now. Okay. Jeff? Jeff? Yeah. Cynthia, could you um, ask Megan to spell the herb that she was referring to? Okay. And also, um, could you explain to people where the chat room is? <clears throat> I'm not sure where the chat room is. You have to sign in to Blog Talk Radio. Okay. Um, person in the 805 area code, are you there? I'm here. Oh, okay. And you're here on the air with Cynthia Smith and Sean Bean and Dr. Armine. What question can we answer for you? I actually don't think I pressed one. I don't have a question at this time. I'm so sorry. Okay, not I, a I problem. I was going to listen and maybe ask a question later. All right, good enough. Thanks. Okay. I believe that you have to sign into um, Blog Talk Radio, which you would get by the link that uh, was provided if you want to get into the chat room. Okay? If you have um, a question, you can call uh, 646-595-2277. Okay, so let's see. Um, Okay, a person in the 519 area code, are you there? Hello? Um, everybody should know that we're having a pretty bad storm right here, right now. So if everything just goes kablooey, <laughs> you'll know what happened, okay? So that person does not seem to be there. Let's try this one. Oh. Uh, person in 971 area code, are you there? Okay. Wow, and of course the storm has got to be right over us right now. Okay. Okay, let's try this one. Person in the 920 area code, are you there? Okay. Hello. Hello. I'm in the nine two area, but I didn't didn't raise my hand. <laughs> well, you're on my board for somebody to uh, to answer a question, but okay. Well, well I will ask. But as long as I'm on, I will ask a question. Um, if I have um, on my 23andMe, if I have read where it, you had talked about last week about noxious, noxious oxides, nitrous oxides, mm -hmm. what does that mean exactly? Sean? Like my body can't get rid of it or 
Is she talking about the SOD2 or is she talking about the NOS3? She's talking, she's talking about the NOS. Oh. Um, and while, while you're doing that, I'm going to turn my laptop on just in case we get a power failure. Cynthia, you want to so take hold of that one? Yeah, nitric oxide synthase 3, that's your endothelial nitric oxide. And if you're homozygous there, it means that that enzyme is a little bit downregulated or that it's not working as efficiently as it would have been had you not had the um, homozygous SNPs. So there's a couple things you can do to support that enzyme. Um, you can make sure that your arginine levels are good um, by doing a test like a NutraEval, or you could even um, uh, do an organic acid test to see. So what you'll be looking for is ammonia levels, um, uric acid levels, and um, L-citrulline and arginine levels. So there's ways you can monitor how poorly or how, how good that enzyme's working, but it's something to keep your eye on. Okay. They, all, they also have um, strips called Neo40 strips. I don't know how accurate they are, but that's something is like a poor man's way of measuring potentially nitric oxide output. So if you're deficient in nitric oxide, then that may be a good way to track whatever therapy you're doing to um, assess um, if it's working or not. Where, where would you get those strips? Um, you can actually look online. Um, they're Neo40 strips. Um, they're not that expensive, but they'll give you a, a, a rough estimate of how your nitric oxide is performing. Um, you can also look, uh, as um, Cynthia mentioned, into the, um, the uh, organic acid test, which will be kind of done through like an ion panel through Met, uh, Metametrics or Genova or the NutriEval. Um, there's also a test ran through uh, Health Diagnostic Research, which actually measures nitric oxide um, in the blood. Um, so that's also another option. They have a beautiful methylation panel, but the only problem is, is they, they rarely ever get back to you, and it's, it's really daunting because the test is really awesome. Um, it's just they have poor customer service. Who's this? Health Diagnostics. Hmm. Okay. All righty. Let's see. Thank you for your call. I appreciate it. Thank you. Okay. The person in the 519 area code, are you there? Hello? Hmm. Interesting. person in the 719 area code. Hi, Dr. Jess. I have a question. Okay. So I am um, compound PET for my MTHFR. And every time I take a B vitamin, I get really bad migraines for about two days. And I'm wondering if anybody has an idea of why that's the case, because it doesn't matter if it's a whole food-derived vitamin or a synthetic. If you try to take the B minus, that doesn't have the folic acid of B12 in it, because the folic acid or the methylfolate may be causing abnormalities within other downstream metabolism of um, your genetic mutations. For example, if you take methylfolate and you have um, CUMT uh, VER, CD, you have CUMT with VER negative, 
you may not be handling methyl groups properly, and one of the side effects of that may be potentially headaches or um, other uh, imbalances within the neurotransmitter system. That's one possibility. So how do I get B12 in me since I can't take anything that has that? Or I've already stayed clear from folic acid. I eat foods rich in folate, but I've been, you know, I don't really know what to do about the, the other B vitamins. What, what you're mentioning is, is you're taking a B complex. The question is, mm-hmm. what is in that B complex? Is it a full spectrum B complex? Does it have, um, like with a B minus that was specifically designed um, by Seeking Health, um, that doesn't have the folate or B12 in it. So you can add that in if need be. I always start people out on B minus as a safety precaution, and okay. then I'll gradually add the B12 in whichever form may be necessary based upon your epigenetic profile um, Mm -hmm. or your other symptoms. And then you just add those in gradually, and then you see how the person responds. Okay. That would be be a possible um, solution. Cynthia, do you have anything else? Yeah, I'm wondering, um, since you get migraines, do you have COMT SNPs? My, I haven't had mine done yet. I just had the two main MT, you know, the C677T and 1298C done. But my father had his done, he does. He's caught so I'm kind of C-C-C-C-C-C-C. Okay. Yes. Um, and so I'm kind of wondering if I might be as well. And I should mention mine is chemically induced. So like I had an, I, you know, I took an antibiotic and had really bad reactions and mine kind of triggered. So... Mm-hmm. Um, prior to that, I could take any vitamin I wanted to. So it's eye-opening. And I want to make sure I'm getting enough of the vitamins and nutrients, but it scared me when I keep getting these horrible headaches. Yeah. So, we, we all have been through a learning curve, and um, mm-hmm. we've, what we've found, and we've all concluded the same thing, is that before you start doing any methylation support, um, you need to make sure, um, as Sean calls it, your braking system is working, which are your adrenals, your uh, common neurotransmitters. The mm-hmm. other thing you need to make sure that you've done is that you've repleted all of the downstream pathways. So that does not include uh, MTHFR, MTRR, that's the downstream. So for that, as Sean said, you would use the B- and you would use a really good multi-mineral um, that, that provides all those cofactors not only for the downstream pathways, but also you have to remember that many of those cofactors are the result of the Krebs cycle. And the Krebs mm-hmm. cycle is highly driven by vitamins B1, B2, B3, which are also in the B minus. So between the okay. B minus and a good multimineral, you, you've really mm-hmm. got those uh, downstream pathways covered. Um, and at the same time, you should make sure that your you know, cortisol curve is okay, your adrenals are working well, you're sleeping. Your GI is, you know, up to snot because you've got problems there. There's testing. And then at that point, you can layer in, um, you know, your B12 and your folate. Now, if you want to take those things in naturally and just make sure they're being transported to the cell, uh, sometimes a little bit of lithium orotate a couple times a week will help facilitate the carrier protein to move the, uh, the, B, the B12 and B9 from the serum into the cell where they actually do their job. Another okay. thing that might be another might thing might be helpful here is, is if you're taking in a lot of dairy or anything, and you potentially may have a folic acid receptor issue going on, you may want mm-hmm. to remove you may want to remove dairy from your diet, and just 
uh, use uncooked lean greafy, uh, grief, uh, green leafy vegetables because they mm-hmm. contain a natural form of folate in it itself. So, but if you're eating hot, heavy dairy and you're eating, you know, you're juicing, you're doing everything else, you're not getting that, un, you're not getting that good folate into your system. Um, sometimes supplementation may not always be necessary, but it's always try to good to get stuff from Mother Nature first rather than doing supplementation. And then, as Cynthia said, look for the downstream blocks because just because you're taking a methylfolate doesn't mean it's getting into the cell if a person's diet is loaded in dairy that are blocking the folic receptors. Right. Well, I did cut out okay. cow dairy. I, I have some goat, but um, I, I think it's very helpful what you told me, so I appreciate everything you said just now Thank very you much. So, thank you so much. Thank you for your call. I appreciate it. Bye-bye. Okay, there's a couple of questions on the um, on the chat, and I think we already answered this one. It says, hi, I have a question. Uh, how should I take B vitamins with compound um, heterozygous? which is C6, 717 and 1298 C. I get horrible headaches from both whole food vitamins and synthetics. Well, again, you've got to always look at the downstream metabolites, as uh, Cynthia nicely mentioned, and you always have to look at the breaking system. The foundational work needs to be done first. That's mm-hmm. the biggest thing I cannot emphasize. Uh, you cannot address MTHFR uh, without looking downstream. If you give methylfolate and there's an M, if there's a mal methylfolate can actually increase serotonin too. So you need to make sure that the whole spectrum is looked at from the whole, from the entire individual at all the systems because they all are major interplayers in this um, uh, methylation madness, as I would call it. Uh, it's, well, we've, we've dealt with the methylation madness because everyone, <laughs> I believe, now realizes that MTHFR is only a small, small part of uh, what people should be looking at. Uh, the next question was, which are the genes, uh, gene SNPs that affect people who that have biotoxin mold poisoning? Are they the same as chronic Lyme? Um, biotoxin mold would be NAT. Every, most everybody has NAT, okay? Mm-hmm. NATs are your adrenal-based, all right? If you see NAT, you want to think, number one, mold, because mold and candida are very close cousins, Okay. They, have, they mm-hmm. produce very similar biotoxins. Um, they're both aldehydes by which they produce, and NAT is also associated with detoxification of aldehydes, um, basically petroleum fuels, perfumes, gasolines, or anything that's associated, especially people that work in hair salons. They're very, very vulnerable to this. Um, if, a mm-hmm. has a candida, if a person has a candida infection, just because your stool sample says plus one, you're still not out of the clear. It's how your body responds to these um, and able exactly. to break the allowing down. Um, exactly. Cynthia, can you take over the other mold ones? Yeah, N-acetyltransferase 2 is, is, is one to look at, but I have to say that um, we're currently working on the next generation of variant report, and I think we're going to try to roll it out in a, maybe two or three weeks. We're, we're having some software issues, but... Ultimately, that new report will have a section specific to mold uh, genetics. So, in other words, if you have these particular SNPs, your susceptibility, you know, to mold is, or fungus is higher. And um, right now, we only have the two SNPs on there, but um, it will be expanded to include uh, a, a much bigger picture. And the, as I understand, the variant report is the new variant report is going to be more clinically. Um, 
<clears throat> more clinically relevant than the prior report, and it's a product of a lot of research and a lot of uh, clinical experience over the past few years. Everybody should remember that this is a very young science, uh, and uh, research is ongoing, and we have very good people doing the research, um, but uh, changes will be made at times. Okay? It doesn't mean anybody was wrong. It means that the research is ongoing and we keep um, testing things clinically and uh, we talk on a regular basis and, you know, the experience of our patients um, helps us along this path. And the path we're going on is to be able to rid the uh, world of chronic illnesses, okay? And um, I think that's within grasp. Uh, we have another, we have a whole set of calls, so let's try uh, a person with the 661 area code, are you there? Yes. Did you Hello? have a question for the group? Yes, thank you for taking my call. You're most welcome. I I just found out that I'm compound head and um, sent off last Monday my test to 23andMe, so I'm waiting to get the results of that back. But I'm wondering what other labs, it seems like um, certain sites that I'm trying to follow mention getting methylation testing, and I don't know if that's included in the 23andMe or if that's something I should be tested for as well. Uh, well, um, I know Cynthia and Sean will have, uh, will have opinions on this, but uh, you can spend an incredible amount of money on, uh, on testing. I, I think the 23andMe and the application you put it through should give you and whatever practitioner you work with some pretty good ideas of what to um, what to start treating and which directions to go in. Uh, and uh, my personally, I wouldn't spend an awful lot of money on duplicative tests uh, until you get together with your healthcare practitioner and say, okay, uh, this is these are the things that need to be elucidated further. Okay, but uh, Sean, Cynthia, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I, I agree 100%, Jess. Um, people are coming to me with these mounds and mounds of tests, which are fantastic from other practitioners. Uh, I had a poor lady that had $4,000 with the lab work done, and I'm like, I'm like what is, you know, what's the clinical relevance to this, all these ab abnormal tests that have been run that have no medical validation for? So, I mean, um, that's one of the things. Is, so I always recommend find a good practitioner you work with, do your research, bring your questions to them, and let them sort things out. Um, you just have to um, you just have to do your research, even on the practitioners and stuff. Feel free to peruse the um, the archives at mthfarsupport.com to find out what fracture may be you know may be best fitted to your needs. Um, check the archives on here. Check everywhere, okay. And just because they've written a book or um, have videos out, it doesn't make them an expert, okay. Um, just Go by what your gut instinct is and go by what practitioner fits you best. And then at that appointment, bring your questions together. Then the practitioner should be able to sit down with you and decide what tests are, are best based upon your, number one, economical status, number two, which one is clinical relevance. That makes sense. Clinical yeah, relevance is... Please go ahead, Cynthia. Go ahead. I just no, no, wanted to add about the, the testing. Um, there's there's a variety of, of genetic tests you can get on the market, but the, but the way that we're exploiting 23andMe raw data is 
seems to be the best bang for your buck. You could do a simple detox panel with Genova Diagnostics. It's like $400. You could do a simple methylation panel with Dr. Yasko. It's $500. Or you could pay 99 to 23 of me, run the raw data through the through the an app like Sterling that for $20 and get much much more data. The always remember, dear, that the um, that the purpose of the genetics is as pointers, and they uh, just because you have a polymorphism does not mean you're ill, and just because you don't have one does not mean you're well. So it has to be the polymorphisms and the pathways that they're in have to be taken together with your clinical condition and uh, fleshed out by a healthcare practitioner that understands, you know, not only root cause but downstream effect and the genetics and what they might suggest in your particular condition. That's why we this has to be done individually. Uh, anyone who wants to treat just the SNPs says, I'm going to give you this for that, uh, I'd put a big question mark in front of if they're not going to uh, look at your whole condition. Uh, also, there's certain websites out there that you'll put a gen- genetic uh, profile like 23andMe through, and they'll tell you exactly what, exactly what to do based on your polymorphisms. Well, unless they do an extensive history with that, okay, you're courting disaster because the SNPs are not to be treated by themselves. The SNPs, you have to be treated, not your SNPs. Okay, so that's been my soapbox since day one. So <laughs> everybody's heard, heard me with that. Thank you for your call. I appreciate it. Take care. Person in the 519 area code, are you there? Hello? Is that me? I don't know. Are you in the 519 area code? Yes, I am in the 519 area code. Sorry, I didn't have my hand up. Okay. Oh, that's okay. You didn't have a hand up. Did you have a question? Um, you're, actually, on, you're on my queue here. Thank you. It may be a question. It's to do with um, uh, sleep, actually, and um, a presentation that Dr. Ben did previously talking about um, SAMe versus melatonin supplementation and how to determine what might be better for uh, sleep disturbance. Since I have various SNPs and MTHFR, et cetera. I don't know if you need more information than that about it. Well, that's, that's a nice that's a nice general question, and, and we'll be happy to address it. Um, just for everybody's edification, in the sleep-wake cycle, uh, generally speaking, you need melatonin to fall asleep, uh, and then you need uh, serotonin and GABA to remain asleep. And um, <clears throat> without getting too ostentatious, that's kind of one way of looking at it. Um, Sean, Cynthia, do you want to handle the uh, SAMI versus melatonin question? This is, this, is one of those, this is one of those trial and error things because what happens is you need SAMI in order to convert serotonin to melatonin. Um, it comes off the, um, I mean, even if you take tryptophan, it still has got to be converted to serotonin to serotonin to melatonin. Um, I know Ben is experimenting with this now, and he's had very, very positive results. Uh, with people who um, are using SAMe before they go to sleep, um, I tried it. I tried SAMe itself just because of my biochemistry. It was a, it was not a good sight, but I did it in the morning. Um, but I would prefer to do neurotransmitter testing 
to see exactly what metabolic pathways may not be working properly, um, which you can Sorry. use other modalities to... I, I have done the neurotransmitter testing, and the, the excitatory ones were high, uh, but serotonin okay. was high. So if dopamine was high, uh, epinephrine and norepinephrine were high, serotonin okay. was normal. Well, don't be okay. fooled. Don't be fooled by normal. Okay. okay. Don't be fooled by normal. Normal. If you look at that neurotransmitter test and and turn it on its side, so it looks like a bunch of bars going up and down. Yeah. Okay. If your excitatories exceed your inhibitories, which would be serotonin, GABA, glycine, stuff like that, the serotonin may need to rise. Okay. The GABA okay. may need to rise in order for you to achieve that. Uh, balance of excitatory and inhibitory because what you're describing is, in, is an excitotoxicity and if that neurotransmitter test was taken in the evening or at nighttime you have one big reason why you why you wouldn't be sleeping and remember there's also cortisol there's too My much cortisol epinephrine high at night as well yeah there's a lot there's a lot and you have to be careful with Sammy I mean I, I agree with Sean I've had people who've been it's been miraculous with and people who's you know the back of their heads blow off uh, it's it's kind of good if you uh, you know see if it works during the day, um, and um, then if you want to try it at night. But if the primary reason, if you you need to find the primary reason why um, your excitatory neurotransmitters are so high at night, that's going back now. If you want to get to the cause of it, you, know, you can always take stuff to bring down cortisol. Okay, you can always uh, you know increase serotonin, melatonin. GABA, but if you don't get at the reason for the um, the excitation that's keeping you awake at night, okay, and there there are several reasons for that, then everything else is just a band-aid. And so, how does one evaluate uh, why those excitatory neurotransmitters are high at night? What were some ways that can be specifically assessed? Yeah, can well, I jump in? Go, go ahead, please. Go ahead, Liz, it sounds, it's, I, I'm talking about COMT again, it sounds like you might have catecholaminomethyltransferase, MAOA, MAOB. Yes, yes, I do. I do. Yeah, have a tendency to push up, push up your excitatory neurotransmitters. Um, and so if that's the case, I'm, I'm really reluctant to give people SAMI if they have COMT, because uh, especially if they have AHCY, because then what happens is that SAMI converts to SAH, and if that SAH goes too high with respect to SAMI as a ratio, then the methyltransferase enzymes, of which are about 200, are all downregulated. And if you already have COMT, which is a methyltransferase, you don't want to further downregulate that. So if you want to free up the SAMI that your body makes, you could use things like creatine. You could use... Um, uh, some sort of a phospholipid blend like optimal uh, PC, something that will free up the SAMI because SAMI has three jobs to do in your body. One is to donate methyl groups. Uh, two is to make phospholipids um, uh, through something called PEMT enzyme. And three is to build creatine through GAMT enzyme. So rather than throwing SAMI in, you can free up your own SAMI. And then as far as, uh, if you have COMT, as far as sleep, you know, getting to sleep and staying asleep, good sleep hygiene is important. Um, and then melatonin is helpful. Um, I think, I think uh, 
uh, phenylated GABA you could take is like Cabernet chewable. I think that's really helpful. But I would be cautious with SAMI if you have COMT, especially if it's homozygous. So I'm on and 15 milligrams of melatonin at night now. Um, I haven't tried creatine, and I'm on a phosphorine. Well, 15 milligrams of melatonin is an awful lot of melatonin. Okay, it is. You go, you go above three milligrams, and it's not working. It's not working. Quadrupling yeah. it, pentupling it's not going to help. Um, that's, your uh, that's uh, my colleagues, huh? My colleagues have pointed out. Go ahead, John. Especially one thing I want to admit too: if you're taking that much melatonin, you better have a back filling of 5-HTP because uh, otherwise it's not going to work. Um, it's going to work for the first maybe one or two weeks, and then it stops. This is why mm-hmm. practitioners have to keep raising the melatonin up. Now, if you have been diagnosed with breast cancer or uh, any other kind of autoimmune imbalance, um, then they usually give 10 or 15 milligrams to those um, to cancer people. But other right. than that, as just mentioned, um, too much melatonin can actually downregulate cortisol. Maybe not right away, but over time. Are you waking up with low morning cortisol by chance? Um, I have had in the past, but not recently. It's just a little high at night. But I do have adrenal fatigue in general symptoms. Yeah, because if you take too much melatonin over time, it may actually drive your cortisol level down in the morning because you'll get that uh, melatonin overflow. That's, uh, and That's significant, yeah. And then unless, um, unless you get out to the sun... And, and and get your pituitary gland operating, that melatonin flush is going to override all the way through the daytime. Okay. I, th- okay. I think that um, everything that we said was all, is all downstream effects, okay, um, and how uh, imbalances uh, have occurred. But uh, one of the questions this um, nice person asked is, you know, how do you check for the root causes? And uh, the root causes um, are innumerable, but they can be viral, they can be toxic, they can be bacterial, uh, they can be yeast infections, they can be Lyme, they can be a whole mess of different things. So uh, you can continue, uh, and I I warn, I advise and cajole people to, you know, not only treat the downstream effects no matter how specific it gets, okay, but we have to look at the causative agents. And if you haven't had a workup that looks at the reason for the I, I uh, have, upregulation, it is complicated. I've got high heavy metals too. Okay, so you see, there there are reasons that can be treated yeah. because otherwise, all that's going to happen is that you're going to um, continue to treat this via band-aids, and it will never go away. So uh, you know, you're, the root cause treatment of of detoxing. The um, I, I can't. I can't advise you on your, you know, because I don't know your entire case. But yeah. one of the things you have to do them both. You have to treat the downstream effect and the uh, root causes. And the genetics helps immensely, but uh, you need to be doing both of those things. And Thank there's you. like mitochondrial dysfunction. There's a whole, whole mess of different things that can cause insomnia. Yeah. All right. Thank you so much for your Thanks question. I appreciate it. Bye bye. And the nice person in the 210 area code, are you there? I'm here. And what question did you have for the group? Oh, well, we're fairly new to all of this. Um, I did recently have an appointment with Sean, so we are still in the testing 
phase for my daughter, but my question is just really simple. Um, she has a homozygous for C677T, and I wanted to know exactly what does that mean and how, what should I or should I not be doing in light of much more testing to be done? We've had a lot, but still more needs to be done. But I just don't know what I should and should not be doing in the meantime. I understand her ferritin's low. She's probably anemic, but, you know, they don't want to put her on iron. I'm just really at a loss as, how, you know, where to even start um, trying to help her until we get more data back. Right now, you're pretty much in a holding pattern. MTH4 is just a drop in the bucket, okay? You're not going to die from not having enough, okay? Um, okay. People are just over, people are over exaggerating it. Is it, a, is it crucial? Yes, but you always have to do the groundwork first because if you supplement your daughter with 5-methylfolate and she has downstream metabolites, um, downstream metabolis, metabolism problems because of specific COMTs or SODs, um, then you have to be very, very cautious. So I always err on the side of caution is I don't even mess with MTHFR off the bat right away. Not until about maybe a month or two. You've got to get the person stabilized first, okay? I know it's, I know it's a very, um, I know it's very, it takes a lot of patience, okay? And I know the case, and you've been through a lot, okay? Um, and I know the history. So... You've just got to be patient and let the testing come. MTHFR methylfolate is not required immediately, okay? Okay. Uh, it, it's just a, it's probably not going to be added in for another month or so, okay? Okay. So, so in the nothing, whole scheme of things, just let that wait. When you're dealing with a C677, that's most likely more um, the cardiovascular side of stuff. Um, and... The 1298 is more neurological. So it would have to do a lot with more clotting factors that have to be dealt with, um, especially with the progesterone estrogen imbalances need to be taken into consideration. That's why we're doing a full workup on her to make sure that those downstream metabolites are taken care of so that... Okay. And Cynthia could elaborate on this too as you... Um, well, I would just go back to the basics. You know, the adrenals, which I'm sure you're supporting already, and uh, a B minus and a good multivitamin. We, yeah. we haven't been taking any multivitamins. She's just been taking a D, a B12, um, you know, just really simple. So I just didn't even know what else I should be putting in or should not. I just don't know if I'm causing more harm than good. She's got a lot of GI issue involvement. Um, so she had some symptoms of feeling like passing out. So I don't know if I need to address an iron issue. I just, and how to feed, you know, you read all the blogs and Facebook, you know, don't have raw, don't have too much meat. Then it's the opposite. So it's just totally overwhelming. And I'm just, I feel like I'm back at square one, even though we've been through a lot of testing. So I just don't Techn even know what it Technically you are back at square one, but like I said, it's on my plate now. So let me feed on it, okay? Okay. So just start with a good uh, multivitamin mineral. Did I put that back into her daily routine or? Um, right now we should be waiting on further testing, and that okay. has to be, and you have to be off of four or five days prior for that testing. All the testing has been ordered. Um, 
all, you know, if you don't receive it in four to five days, please give me uh, please give me an email or something, and we'll resend it out. Unfortunately, I can only put in the order. Uh, what the computer does and the company, it's all in their hands. But I assure you, okay. all the information has oh, yes. been. Okay. okay, and we did order the treat 23andMe, so we're going to get that done um, fairly quick. But I just didn't know if there's anything I should or should not be doing in the meantime, and I'm just trying to be vigilant, you know. So. I think I gave you some recommendations, which would be the, probably the B minus, um, and a couple other things that you could definitely try. If not, after I get done this call tonight, I can go review um, your daughter's case, okay? Okay. And see if you receive right. the proper information. Maybe sometimes okay. what happens is, is it goes into junk mail. I had that happen because of the size of the uh, because of the uh, linkage link on it. But okay. I would just I would definitely check, okay? Okay. Thank you so much. You're no welcome. Bye-bye. Thank you for calling. Bye bye. Okay, there's um, a question on the uh, chat. It says, I tried the B minus one quarter of a capsule and I felt drugged within 20 minutes and slept for three hours in the middle of the day, which I never do. It was scary. What happened? I can take Seeking Health Hydroxy B12 just fine by itself. Um, again, there's really no there's no information that's provided from that. That's just such a randomized question which could have a thousand different things going on. Um, if they were severely undermethylated, maybe the niacin may have been too much for them. Um, there could have been multiple uh, factors going in there. Uh, yeah. How toxic are they? Are they chemical sensitive? Are they, you know, sensitive to uh, synthetics versus natural? There are so many variables that go into that question. Um, so it's, it's not a question that we can uh, easily address. No, okay. it's not a question we can uh, The other question that was on the, um, was are there any SNPs that are related to uh, hemolytic anemia? And do we have any recommendations to improve hemolytic anemia? Cynthia, you want to take that? What What does she mean exactly by hemolytic anemia? Do you mean um, that the red blood cells are too big or too no, little? No, hemolytic anemia is when, um, like, uh, uh, immune processes destroy red blood cells. Okay, so okay. it's immune. Um, and... and uh, I, I think I think our next variant report will have more SNPs in that area. We don't really have much now. Um, uh, Six GDP and a few other things. B12, uh, B12 SNPs, but I I think uh, I, I think we just have those two right now. Hemolytic anemia is essentially um, the destruction of red blood cells that uh, bring the number of red blood cells down to the point that uh, oxygen exchange becomes difficult. And, again, this is going to be a a root cause kind of thing. Um, That sounds like a a viral um, impact. I see that a lot in It can be viral. It can be bacterial. It can be fungal. Um, Yeah. It's uh, usually the uh, the province of the hematologist. Uh, you know, that's that's their that's their ballywick, that's their bowl bowl of rice where they really uh, they really shine in finding out the um, the causes of the um, of uh, something that'll destroy the red blood cells. So, um, you know, improvement of. Hmm. Oh, 
Oh, sorry, Jess. We, we do have the G6 okay. PD SNPs on there, on the report. Again, it's uh, improving the hemolytic anemia is going to be uh, based solely on the um, on what the uh, root causes are, and uh, you know whether you can <clears throat> hold on to your B12 and iron and so forth. Um, uh, you're never wrong by making sure that you can, uh, in fact, um, have enough phospholipids so you can create uh, create the red blood cells and all the different factors uh, for cellular regeneration. Uh, but if you have hemolytic anemia that's sufficient enough that you're tired and so forth, getting at the root cause is going to be absolutely mandatory. Okay, let's go on to another question. Person in the 707 area code, are you there? Hello? Okay. Hey, person in the 602 area code, are you there? Hello? Hmm, I think people may get a little uh, bored of waiting. Not a problem. Okay. A person in the 519 area code, are you there? Hello? Same person again. You, you got me, so I'll have you move on. Thank you again. Oh, thanks. Okay. We're still waiting for, we have an open queue. So if anybody would like to call and ask a question to the group, you can call 646 595 2277. That's 646-595-2277. Okay, here's... Okay, person in 210 area code, are you there? Hello? Yep. Hello? Okay, that was the same one. Okay. Well, um, Cynthia, can you tell us a little bit more about... Oh, Here's the person with the 519 again. Okay. Hello, person in 519 area code, are you there? Hi, yes. Hi, this is Dr. Armine. Do you have a question for our group? Oh, if I can take a second question, great. Um, could you outline your approach for your um, distance consultations in terms of how you would approach a very complex scenario of MTHFR, um, some of the stuff we were talking about earlier with adrenal fatigue, gut healing issues, heavy metals, et cetera. What, where do we start with something like that? How how do you approach a situation like that? My, I Whenever think we have, all. Good, good. I'm sorry. I think I think we all take essentially the same approach by reviewing uh, the testing that has already been done, and. Um, interviewing the patient, uh, doing a very good history, and then uh, deciding if there's been any stones left unturned, uh, what testing, if anything, is, are necessary to um, to elucidate the particular problems further, okay? And um, complex cases is what we all do for a living, and uh, they don't scare us, and, um, you know, it's just a matter of reading through everything having a clear head and, um, you know, taking a very, very good history from people because it's been said that if you listen to your patient, they will tell you what's wrong, and that happens to be true. Okay, so it's not a, you know, 
a particular approach like you go to somebody and say, I practice X protocol, okay, uh, this is wholly individualized. And that means taking the time and the effort to do each patient one at a time. And believe me, it's not an easy, um, it's not an easy endeavor. It takes an awful lot of time on all of our parts. Sorry, I can't be more specific than that. Oh, that's good. Thank you. I'm going to call back in, so you don't need to answer me, but I have to call okay. back in in order to hear the call, so that's why I keep coming up again. Which, Thank one, you. which, which, which number are you? 519. Yeah. Okay, I'll keep an eye on it. Thanks. Okay, thanks a lot. <laughs> Bye. Thanks. Hi, person in the 707 area code. Are you there? Okay, and... Okay. I'm ready when you are. I see you in the chat, and, um, you know, you're over here saying that uh, you're in the queue and again and ready when you are, and the question is going to be about myoclonic jerking. Are you there? Hello? Well, we'll go on to the next one. Okay. And the person in the 805 area code, are you there? Yeah, I'm here. Um, I have a question. I have uh, Lyme disease, chronic Lyme disease, late stage neurological Lyme. And um, I recently did the 23andMe test. And I had, you know, lots of mitochondrial problems. And I have a double mutation in the MTHFR and uh, a lot of of SNPs. So um, the problem is I can't really afford a methylation doctor and a Lyme doctor, and I was wondering when is like, can can you solve the Lyme after after you've treated it for a while, addressing methylation, or do you, do you need to be treating both at at the same time? The the easiest way to explain that explanation is this: look at the Lyme doctor, look at the, the Lyme as a lion, the doctor as the hunter, and there are. Methylation doctor, it's just think of it as a, um, a person who looks at the entire picture. Methylation is just part of the equation, but that methylation expert also needs to be uh, have a good depth knowledge of functional medicine, as we call it, or what we call bioindividualized medicine. So I work with multiple line doctors across the United States, um, and what we found was that if you work in conjunction with the Lyme doctor, you're going to get a much better response uh, because what happens is once that lion's out of the cage, that Lyme doctor beats it back in. If you don't put a lock and bolt on the cage, if you right. get into a stressful situation, it's going to come back out again, and it's going to come out and be active. Um, what, what we do is, is we act as a lock and bolt, and we, keep, and we make sure that your body's ability to tolerate stress is at optimal par, um, that you're properly nutritionally balanced and that any kind of the factor that um, may allow that latch to come, that lock to come undone again, is tightly secured. So it really so both at the fair. same time. Well, I usually, most Lyme doctors usually tend to refer their patients to me probably about three months before um, they actually see them, because that gives me about three months to work uh, on okay. creating the imbalance, work on doing the imbalances. When you're right in the middle of an antibiotic approach, it sometimes becomes really, very complicated because you've got a lot of things that are crossing over. 
and the symptoms what may appear as adrenals may actually be a side effect from the antibiotic or, um, or an adverse reaction to the antibiotic. So it becomes really, really challenging. So in those situations, um, you've got to, number one, look at your budget. Uh, and number two, look how open-minded the line doctor is itself. Um, and then you need to think what is the best route for you. Um, because I've been treating for four and a half years, and I'm just not gaining enough ground. And, I, and now I have SIBO on top of it, so I can't yeah. do antibiotic treatment. Yeah. And I'm just wondering if I need to switch directions sometimes, at this point. Sometimes in this case, what I would recommend doing is, is of course, always working within your realm of your LMD doctor. Um, the one doctor I work with, Dr. Leslie Fine, she, you know, she's great. And if I bring something to her attention, she'll definitely say, yo, Sean, that's a great idea. So in this situation, you may want to consult your Lyme doctor and say, you know what, I want to take a break from antibiotics, okay? I want to work with somebody for about four months, five months, to rebuild my systems, to re-strengthen my systems. Because remember, when you're going into antibiotic treatment, your body's in a stress condition to begin with, okay? It's kind of like going to drop a bomb, and then once you drop the bomb, if you can't run fast enough, you're going to get blown up from the aftershock. And yeah. that's pretty much what happens is these people are going in, they're stressed to the max, and then they're adding antibiotics on top of it, um, which is stressing the body out even more. And you're running into this catch-20 position. But even certain circumstances, there is a neurological component, and it, the um, Lyme has to be treated to bring that other person under control. And it's a must that the person has to maintain um, the antibiotics. That's why you've had the uh, good LMD doctor on board, because a lot of times, sometimes the cases are out of my control, and it's all up in, it's all what the Lyme doctors do on the antibiotics, because we can just support that until they do their job, and if they can't do their job, they'll refer the case out to me. Say, Sean, I've tried everything. I don't know what to do. Um, I'm running into a brick wall. I'm going to have them come off antibiotics for now, because uh, they're not working and then see what, see what else, see what they can do, see what you can do to find out. And Cynthia, my, Cynthia myself, and Dr. Jess, we all pretty much have the same approach. Uh, I just have a little bit more experience with Lyme because that's what I deal with. Uh, I deal with a lot of LMD doctors. So you have to work you, with you, can, with your, can you do this type of work like with phone consultations? Or? Yes, absolutely. Uh, we all can do that over the phone. It's not a problem. Okay. But you always want yeah. to check your LMD doctor first, okay? Well, she, she so, wants me to, but she said I can't really do much until I address the SIBO and, and the Candida. And well, then, in that so situation, I've been, I've, been the antibiotic. I've been off of them right. for five months now because of the SIBO. I've been doing herbals, but... Um, sometimes, remember, if you, again, the, you drop the bomb, you can't run fast yeah. enough. You keep dropping yeah. the bomb, you're not running fast enough because your neurotransmitters aren't adjusted, your adrenals aren't adjusted, your nutritional analysis was never completed. Um, they, probably did a, they, they probably did a thyroid panel, but they probably looked at the T4, okay? Lyme doctors do an incredible job. Don't get me wrong. But they specialize in Lyme themselves, okay? Right. They have an office full of people, and that's all they specialize in Lyme. And a lot of them are going outside and trying to educate themselves. But I watch Leslie every weekend, every week, and I can see how difficult it is just dealing with the Lyme itself. And then to learn the stuff on, to learn this on the outside, I mean, that's like a whole nother, that's like having three doctors in one. And right, right. it's just too much. 
Okay, I appreciate the feedback. Thank you. Well, thank, thank you, you so much for your call. Mm-hmm. And the nice person in the 707 area code, are you there? Hello? Okay. Hi, there you are. Yes. This is Dr. This is Dr. Remind. Did you have a question for our group? Yes, I do. Um, I experience an unusual symptom of um, recurring myclonic jerking, and it comes on as a cluster of symptoms where I first feel fatigued and a little spaced out. I feel like my brain is swelling, um, tired, can't focus, and then my body starts having involuntary movements. And I do know that it is triggered by um, uh, chemical sensitivity, exposures, mold. Um, It happens if I don't eat on a regular schedule or if I've just completely exhausted myself. Um, And I'm trying to figure out what is the root cause of that so that I can come up with some sort of game plan to treat it. Well, you just you're describing almost um seizure like activity. Okay, and um I, my first thought is um that you've got a lot of brain inflammation. And mm-hmm. um you know, you can have um seizures that look like ticks, uh look like um the myclonic jerks is just as a jerking of the uh of the muscles. Uh and uh they can be from like lots of causes. And when you consider the anticonvulsants that are out there, okay, they basically stabilize the nerves from spontaneously firing off, okay? Sometimes, um, and they work fairly well, things like Lamictal and uh, Devacote and so forth. But if if your cells are like that, if uh, if they're leaky, if you will, hyperpermeable, and those Uh uh, neural cells are... um, are you know obviously a cascade event is happening uh and uh it's leading to this jerking motion and you described yeah. it fairly well uh there there are innumerable reasons for this the <clears throat> end result of it uh is um you know is uh, either uh either high excitatory neurotransmitters coupled with um hyperpermeability in the cells okay that can be Resolved to a certain degree, but um, lots and lots and lots and lots of things can cause uh, this set of events to happen. Uh, your genetics kind of pushes you in the direction that it might happen. Okay, so that's why certain areas are involved. But um, the focus should be, I think, on uh, repairing the cells and getting at the root cause of why uh, you're having this particular kind of cascade effect. Yeah, that's been the tricky part. I've worked with some pretty fabulous um, doctors. I um, am recovered completely from Lyme and tick-borne illnesses, and so I've seen some pretty great doctors. Um, and I'm also most likely ha- uh, have fluoroquinolone toxicity. Um, and I've, I've probably at least 20 doctors just trying to figure out the, the myclonic jerking and not a single person has had an idea. Well, if you've if you've recovered from Lyme and you've had fluoroquinolone toxicity, then um, you, and you're if you've had the standard allopathic approach, 
Uh, I can almost... I, I did yes? almost everything naturally. Okay, so what did you do? Um, I used a lot of the Beyond Balance herbs. Um, I've addressed um, methylation issues. I, I, mean, I was in um, Lyme treatment for six years or something, and I, I've tried pretty much everything. Um, and I no longer have any Lyme symptoms. I would be w- wonderfully healthy if I just didn't have this um, and uh, I'll turn it over to my colleagues in a moment, but uh, my first thought is um, thinking of your cell wall stability, okay? Uh-huh. And I, w- I would do research into that. Uh, there's a couple of um, people who uh, who treat that very well. And um, if you treated everything, it, I think there may be some holes in your treatment uh, when it concerns um, either your gut or the leakiness of your cells, which is leaky um, leaky enterocytes in the gut, leaky brain cells, leaky mitochondria, okay? It, uh-huh. almost, so, it almost sounds like uh, the cells are unable to hold the charge, so to speak. Cynthia, yeah. um, Sean, what do you think? Um, yeah, I would, I would do... Oh, go ahead. Go ahead, Cynthia. I would focus in on the mitochondrial health, and that includes the membranes, uh, phospholipid support, um, NAD, CoQ10, and there's a, 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 new, a new supplement out now that I think is really cool. It's a nicotinamide. I can't remember the second name. I can go look it up. But um, it, it, that whole kind of subset will really help, you know, with, those, with the membrane stability. Um, and, and, of course, your mitochondria are everywhere, and they're in all your cells except for your red blood cells, and they're very active. Um, and making your energy, with the, along with your electron transport chain, and you can see your SNPs and your variant report to see if you've got some susceptibility to some instability, especially in the uh, electron transport chain and the membrane. So I, mm-hmm. I would focus on that. The other thing that came to my mind when you first started talking was that I know this doesn't sound great, but um, coffee enemas are really effective at kind of declogging the liver. Yeah. Um, so you might want to consider that. I do water ones frequently. Um, I don't tolerate a speck of um, caffeine at all. Otherwise, I would happily do the coffee ones. But I I do the water ones. I do sauna, dry skin brushing, rebounding, um, lemon water, the Epsom salt baths. I I do it all. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Well, it it sounds like the stone that's been left unturned has been the... um the uh, cell, the stability of your cell walls. Go ahead, Sean. I was going to take this one step further, Jess, and look at the history and responses Enjoy. too, uh, because it possibly might be mast cell activation going on um, that could be causing a lot of the uh, histamine responses. So, when you're 23andMe, you may want to look at your DAO enzyme to make sure that you're able to metabolize histamines properly or have that histamine balance um, that's associated with this, because. Uh, that could be one factor that may have not been looked at yet. Because histamine is a major player in a lot of um, chemical reactions. Um, so whether it's um, released at a lot, whether, whether your histamine is really high, which is shown on an organic acid test um, or a plasma or, uh, or a blood plasma amino acid test, um, that's one area that I would definitely look into. 
Um, what was the diagnosis by which your Lyme was, uh, that, that you were cleared from Lyme? Was it a Western blot test? Was it a hygienics uh, test? Was it just symptoms? What was, your, what was the criteria for you getting cleared of Lyme? Um, it was symptoms in addition to um, muscle testing with one doctor and dido testing with another. Okay. Um, number one is, is I, th I think those tests are really good for quantifying things. Um, um, since dealing with the Lyme stuff, um, you can you can have a lot of symptoms clear for Lyme, but still have neurological Lyme too. So, uh, from a clinical standpoint, um, I would definitely say I do like the Zyto machine because it provides great information. Uh, muscle testing can be applicable, um, but in these type of cases, I would really want confirmation from some type of clinical analysis, whether uh, even if you're still having these jerkies and stuff too, uh, a brain spec may be advisable to make sure that there's no inflammation in certain areas of the brain um, that may have left on, that may have been overlooked. So these are definitely some other areas. Uh, another mm -hmm. area that helps with inflammation is, is you may want to try some Boswellia, okay? Because Boswellia will help to, number one, reduce inflammatory responses it also works on the IDO enzymes down, um, to keep the, to keep the, as Cynthia mentioned, to keep the mitochondrial fit by keeping your serotonin, by keeping your nias, uh, your, by keeping your tryptophan going in the proper direction, you're going to get a much better response um, with mitochondrial uh, function that way. Um, so by using the Boswellia, it works, it works systemically. So it's great for reducing any kind of inflammation systemically. Um, I've, I've used it a lot of times in complex cases and the results have been phenomenal. Okay, great. Thank you. Okay, thank you. A nice person in the 502 area code. Are you there? Yes, I am. And this is uh, Dr. Yes, Roman. Do you have a question for the group? Yes, my question is, um, right now um, uh, I'm going to tell you about today and what led up to it quickly. Um, I was, my doctor considered putting me into the hospital and on a feeding tube because I've dropped from 172 down to 110 pounds at five foot six. Um, my biggest problem is I cannot eat any fat or any um, fiber, um, uh, I guess you call it fiber meats. I can do like the organ meats like uh, chicken liver and I'm doing like four or five different um, vegetables the green vegetables, and that's all I can handle. Or I get pain up under my right rib, down into my right side, like almost in the colon area. My gallbladder was removed as inflamed. I have gastritis of the stomach. All these different um, inflammatory things going on within my abdomen. Um, but they're saying the liver's great. Everything, ALT, AST, everything's fine. Uh, what led up to it was I didn't know I had Hashimoto's thyroiditis. I juiced cruciferous vegetables with uh, fruit juice, which I have insulin resistance, and my uh, inflam inflammation mounted considerably as time went on. And I didn't connect the two because I was under a lot of stress in my life at the time. So um, I didn't connect the two, and I continued to juice and then went on to even do high-dose iodine. Ended up crashing in my living room, um, literally, to the floor. And all this inflammation in my gut. It's connected to that, and it's not going away, even though I've changed everything, and I'm getting worse, and um, um, I don't know what really which one of the things is the root cause, and if my the fact that I don't methylfolate very well, I'm heterogeneous and um, MTHFR, um, 
I don't know how to determine what the root cause is and how to get out from under it. Well, no, first of all, one of the things I'm going to suggest ahead. here is, is um, you said you're doing with a feeding tube. Why don't I put you on TPN, uh, Total Parental Nutrition or, or PN, um, in order to get lipids in your system? Because they can use intralipids to give your body lipids that it, um, it needs, especially if you can't tolerate them. So that's... Um, uh, that's a good question because he, uh, when he discussed the feeding tube with me, I said, will it bypass my stomach and uh, duodenum and the liver and all that and so that I don't have to uh, break it down? And he said, no. And I said, well, I don't have a problem with chewing and swallowing, um, mm-hmm. which is what the feeding tube would do for me. Um, exactly. I have a problem with breaking it down. So what have you done to heal your gut and uh, help your body break down your foods? Unfortunately, these last six months, um, I went from being bed-bound and hardly eating anything, but um, I was doing, like, uh, at the time, I was doing a lot of um, root vegetables and that because I tolerated it better till they got rid of the gallbladder. So it was a process of getting rid of the gallbladder, which could have been fixed, maybe, could have been saved. It was only inflamed. Um, and then I had kidney stones, and... Um, uh, we'd gotten the back straightened out. I had so much inflammation in my gut that it also affected my back, and I herniated mm-hmm. a disc and bulge three. We got that fixed. It's been a process of fixing. All no, these, I, I understand, um, but um, my my question was, what have you done to try and heal your gut? Because you're um, talking about a lot of inflammation. You're talking very clearly about your gut, okay, and the, how your gut is inflamed. You've had uh, right upper quadrant pain, Um and that's usually gallbladder, uh, and the process of that is can be very tenacious bile, okay, and that doesn't change when you pull the gallbladder out because that bile comes from the liver. So I'm curious, have you done anything to uh, improve your ability to digest your food, like digestive enzymes, and uh, what have you done to try and heal the gut itself? Well, I've tried the digestive enzymes and had problems with it. My adrenals were knocked down a little bit, so I tried to address that thinking low cortisol um, if I brought that up, which I didn't do, you know, directly by taking HC. I um, tried to support that, and I ran into roadblocks with that. I wasn't able to take anything to support it. Um, I've been put on thyroid medicine, um, NDT, um, because I know that has a direct bearing also on the gut. And I've uh, worked up to one and three-quarter uh, grains of that. Um, uh, and then I've tried to get some minerals in place um, and felt a tremendous detoxing, I think, was what was going on with the minerals, with the magnesium, ionic magnesium. Um, and I had this, uh, like this virus I picked up on my hand during all of this, like my immune system is so suppressed. I picked it up off a grocery cart. And every time I do something that's, my body is evidently like the magnesium um, is doing like a detox thing, then that flares up in my hand. And then when I remove that um, that substance, whether it be magnesium or I did uh, B12 for a while there, I did um, the shots and got severely depressed from the shots. And I didn't understand that either, why uh, it was methacobalamin. And I got severely depressed. Now I'm getting depressed when I eat fast because every once in a while I'll try to do the fast thinking, well, maybe I'm better, and then the depression comes on me again. It's very clinical. It's very this organic. Is, um, so. This is the type of this is the type of case that um, 
doesn't lend itself to a quick answer. Uh, what, what I'm hearing is a lot of inflammation. What I'm hearing is a lot of gut issues that will lend itself to a lot of inflammation. Uh, and I'm hearing the, um, the results of a lot of inflammation. Uh, and, um, you know, as you obviously have an awful lot of things going on, uh, and my best suggestion is going to be to work with a practitioner who can put stuff like this together. Uh, it would take a little bit of time, but um, it, it won't take all that much time because, to me, it's very clear what area needs to be worked on. And we just, what we really have to do is, you know, find the right combination of things to <clears throat> start that um, that gut for, that gut healing because that's uh, you're, you've. Um, You've talked about it, but and I don't mean this offensively. You're kind of dancing around uh, the central issue, okay? And I know you want to heal your gut, but I haven't heard anything that really would heal a gut in what you've said. So uh, the gut's the great creator of inflammation, okay? And you've have you obviously have a very very inflamed gut because you know you've described it in several different ways. So um, I don't think this is something that we can. Um, we can address um, quickly and easily on a radio show because it is that complex. But I do suggest that you work with someone of of your choice and um, get somebody to get a fresh look at you, okay? I think that's going to be your your road to healing is to have someone take a completely fresh look, um, what they would say in legal terms, a de novo, you know, a de novo look, something really, somebody who has, you know, a nice eclectic background, Okay, so that they can look at everything and, you know, make this a little bit simpler because sometimes if you listen to Occam's Razor, um, the simplest explanation is usually the one, okay? And um, I feel for you, so uh, please uh, work with somebody, okay? Right, I have trouble finding the different person that, or or the person that can do that. Is this something someone of you, you, you all could do? Um, this is this is what ra- we do. Uh, for, this is what we do all. This is what we do all the time. Yeah. So yeah, it could be done over the phone. I I can oh, read it over the phone. You think? Okay. I okay. We do Thank it all you very the time. much. You all. All right. Thanks so much. Bye bye. And the nice person in the six zero two area code. Are you there? Hello. Hello. Okay. Okay, and there's a cup. There's a question here on, and who said I came in a bit late, so please dismiss if it was already addressed. <clears throat> um, if you are homozygous for COMT and homozygous for one of the MTHFR, how does one address COMT then MTHFR? Are we there, guys? I'm here. Do you want me to answer? Please. Yeah, you're the. Go ahead, Cynthia. You're the OMT girl. So, so COMT homozygous. That's because I have no a... pun in, no pun intended. That's all right. We all have COMT. That's why we, that's why once in a while we go booga booga. That's why we're doing that. So COMT homozygous and MTHFR C six seven seven T heterozygous. Uh, the individual simply wrote uh, that they're homozygous for COMT and homozygous for one of the MTHFR. Mm-hmm. Then they asked, how do we address COMT then, in t- then t- MTHFR? Oh, okay. Well, again, um, you, can't, you can't address SNPs in isolation. You have to look at symptoms 
You have to look at health history, both for yourself and your uh, parents and grandparents. Um, uh, any testing that, that would show how those pathways are working. So, for example, COMT is an enzyme that has a, a dual, kind of a dual role. It breaks down excitatory neurotransmitters, but it also breaks down estrones. So it's got a role in estrogen breakdown, and it's got a role in uh, uh, norepinephrine, epinephrine, dopamine breakdown. And if you're COMT homozygous, you have to think about that eight-lane road actually being a two-lane road. So in that case, you're, you'll start to Gee, kind of back up your estrogen. Yeah, I took it from you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just ragging you. I'm sorry. I'm like, ooh, something familiar. Great. <laughs> I used to use the pipe analogy, but I like the road better. Thank you. Um, you're welcome. So, so anyway, you, those people have a tendency to back up their estrogen intermediate metabolites, and so they'll have estrogen issues, like I think our last caller probably had, which eventually will morph into uh, other things like like a poor bile production in the liver, and then gallbladder issues. Um, and then on the other side, then excitatory neurotransmitters. Um, if they start going up, then you know COMT needs to be supported with uh, downstream first. And a little bit of magnesium glycinate is always helpful, along with some manganese. Um, but it, it always goes back to the basics. You have to do the groundwork, the, the open up those pathways, work on the adrenals, work on the GI. Uh, if you've got some hormone-clearing issues, those have to be addressed in the liver. So I guess that's the best answer I could give without knowing more. That is, that's an that's an excellent answer. I, I, I'm hoping that everybody who's listening, and we have a lot of people listening tonight, okay, gets the impression. And and we're remember, guys, we're trying to tell you the truth, that um, the treatment of polymorphisms is not done in isolation. Okay, it has to be done uh, in consideration of your entire condition because not every one of those polymorphisms is expressing and uh, it has to be done with uh, clinical acumen. It's tough to do on your own. Like, I'm not saying it can't be done, but it's tough to do by just going to Dr. Ben's site and looking up medica- methylation protocols and um, or just looking and saying, I've got this, this, and this. Well, let me take um, this product that has um, trimethylglycine, 5-methylfolate, methyl B12, hydroxy B12. That'll cover everything, and you find yourself over-methylating. Uh, it's not an easy thing to do, and uh, the amount of work, research, and time that goes into each case is um, is quite significant, okay? And uh, we do shows like this because we want to answer the questions, and we want to uh, let you know that the, uh, the SNPs are important. They are, okay? But treating... You must treat the person, not the SNPs. It's like they say in, in uh, the medical guys say, we treat the person, not the lab tests. Okay, so uh, guess what? Um, same idea. Okay, we have to get back down to basics often. We have to treat basics first because guess what? If you get that person, let's say that person's gut fixed, then the inflammation drops and all the effects of the inflammation drop and a lot of the pathways that were previously blocked up will just kind of open up. Okay, it can happen. There have been a lot of fluoroquinolone toxicity people that have resolved on their own, okay, because they stopped the traffic in the pathways and the pathways rebuilt themselves. Okay, they didn't do it, they did it speculatively, they did it empirically, but they did it and it worked. It took a long time, but it worked. 
I am looking for more questions. I am looking, uh, we have a few minutes left. And if anybody would like to ask, I think we have uh, time for maybe one or two more questions. Uh, they can call 646-595-2277. That's 646-595-2277. While we're waiting for another call, um, Cynthia, if you'd be so kind, uh, we've, all, we've indicated that we do treat people uh, via telemedicine, over the phone, on Skype, uh, at a distance. Um, and if somebody wanted to get in touch with you, how would they go about getting in touch with you in, in case they needed a consultation and would like to speak with you? Okay, first of all, I'm not a doctor. Um, I was, I've been trained in functional medicine, and uh, I've taken many, many, many classes, and, and I'm working on uh, a lot of the research here. But um, if, if you want to reach me, um, my email is c.smith at lifezonewellness.com. Um, and there's a, there's a um, I have a little website. It's not very good. My, my intern's starting to help me with it. But um, you can reach me through my website as well, which is Lifestone Wellness. Um, I guess that's it. And, and you're based in uh, Chicago, aren't you? I'm in Chicago, yeah. The Windy City. Sean, uh, how would people get in touch with you? Should they want to uh, make an appointment with you or... Um, get a consultation or how could they get in touch with you? What's the best way to get in touch with you, Sean? The, the easiest way to get in touch with me is through email. It's info at matrixhealthwell.com. Uh, and right now I currently don't have a website up, but I'm currently working on one. Uh, but I am affiliated with Bioindividualized Medicine, which is through drjessarmine.com. Uh, actually, have, uh, we have bioindividualmed.com. Uh, which reflects us to drjessarmine.com. Our um, website um, is uh, there for you, for me, and Dr. Karshuba, who um, who is our uh, medical physician who um, does uh, various alternative medicine activities. And um, if people want to get in touch with me, they can call 610-449-9716. Uh, actually, you can get in touch with uh, both Sean and I at that, at that um, because you'll speak to uh, Megan, who is our um, herbalist and um, receptionist, and uh, she will direct your phone calls. You can get, um, you can um, email me at info at bioindividualmed.com. <clears throat> Go to the website, and there's a contact form. Okay, and the contact form will... Um, allow you to either contact myself or Sean. And there's one more person here. Hold on. Hi, person in the 561 area code. Are you there? Hi there. Yeah, I'm here. Can you hear me? Yes, I can. Hello. Would you have, like okay, to ask hi. a question to the group? Yeah. Um, basically, do you all um, include this biotoxic testing in your evaluation of people? I've, I've been sick for five years. Um, had a slew of tests, but more recently, and I'm just about to do the 23andMe, but um, also um, came across the um, Dr. Shoemaker's website. I, I was exposed to mold before I got sick. Um, it was a very short duration of exposure, but still um, just looking into, on his website for, you know, looking at all the tests and was going to maybe try to find a doctor to order these for me. Is that something that you all do as part of your exam for like a new patient that hasn't had that checked or do you have a way of checking? We have, um, there's, 
what we don't what we don't have is a standard set of tests <clears throat> that everybody gets. Okay, um, I'm sure that people who have been to many doctors um, have gone to some alternative medicine practitioners, and you know, you um, they basically have you do X amount of testing, which can run into an awful lot of money. Okay, yeah. <laughs> and in my estimation, that's throwing you know what against the wall and seeing what sticks. Okay. Uh, the more efficacious um, and cost-effective way of doing this is to, uh, like we said before, is to uh, review what uh, testing has already been done, uh, do a consultation with the patient, figure out what is needed and necessary to elucidate the problems, and then testing can be ordered from that point. Okay, that usually involves a lot less money, and it is more targeted, and it is more individualized uh, to you. Uh, there's no, there isn't any testing we cannot order. Okay, mm -hmm. it's just that we don't. Um, how can I say this without, um, without sounding condescending? And I'm trying not to because I respect all my patients. Uh, a lot of times, a patient will say, you know, I'm interested in doing this, and I'd really, really like to know. Great, you know, I always, res I always respect that. We always respect that. Right. Okay, but it'd be great to have a, um, to have a consultation and really discuss it after you've looked at everything and said, okay, okay, we can go about looking at it this way, this way, this way, this way, and these are the better companies that do it. Um, and it may be the biotoxic testing. It may be under a certain, it could be fraud testing. It could be this, it could be that. Okay, but then you're talking turkey with an experienced individual who can, you know, work out what exact testing is necessary and what would, you know, possibly be covered by insurance what might not be covered, so you know where you stand. Uh, there's lots of stuff that can be done from LabCorp and Quest, and there's lots of stuff that can be done with different companies, and we kind of know a lot of the companies and how good they are, and, you know, right. some of them simply aren't worth the money, and some of them, you know, I'd look at you and say, well, if we were going we to spend money, this is the one I would spend money on, you know, because we're going to get good information here, okay? Uh, and I think that's more respectful of your needs. Okay, so in my question, in answer to your question, it's yes and no. <laughs> right, right, right. How um, is there information on your website about, you know, your consultations and the fees and all that kind of stuff? I yes. haven't explored your website yet, but it's all there. It's all there. Okay, you know, every, everything's on there. The website, the website's not a. a well, all of our websites could use. Um, you know, <laughs> could use a little yeah. bit of an upgrade, but guess what? You know, we're uh, you know we're we're, uh, we're more uh, into treating people, and uh, sometimes we look at the website and say, "Gee, I think I should change that word." You know. <laughs> and, well, I'm a uh, former uh, nurse, so I see you're you're an RN as well. So that's I sure am. <laughs> that helps. I'm a former RN. Last time, last time I said I was I was a nurse, the nurse I was talking to almost smacked me. You never, never, you never a former nurse. I'm like ah. <laughs> You know, that's the no. second time I've heard that, and I'm like, well, I'm disabled from, you know, being so sick, so I haven't worked in, t literally, I haven't worked in 10 years. I've been sick for five. I stopped to have kids, and of course, you know, so I feel I mean, like I'm a former nurse. Once but. you're a nurse, you're always a nurse. <laughs> Let's face it, okay? Um, I, got, I got my nursing license in 1978, you know, and, I'm, and yeah. oh, my gosh. <laughs> okay. I'll never forget that day I said that to somebody, and, and boy, did she read me out. Yeah, okay. I've gotten and the fact out for is, that. Yeah, you know, it's it's a special club. <laughs> let's let's yeah, let's yeah. call a spade a spade. Okay. All okay. right. Well, you well, take care. I'll Thank you so much. Out. Thank you. Right, bye, bye bye. 
Okay, guys, I think we're at the end of our uh, our time here. Okay, um, we've got the clock says we've got about two minutes. Um, Cynthia, do you have any parting remarks that you would like to give to everybody? Yeah, I think this is being recorded, and I wanted to go back because we've mentioned this numerous times in the conversation about the link between the gut, the immune system, and excitatory neurotransmitters. Um, you, I can explain it, but I'd like you to explain it because you're the one who taught it to me a few years ago. So why don't you mention that so people can put those pieces together when they go back and listen to the talk that we did tonight. Uh, the gut, the immune system, and excitatory neurotransmitters. Well, uh, real fast because we have one minute and 41 seconds. Uh, is that the gut, uh, if you have a leaky gut or you have uh, intestinal hyperpermeability, okay, antigens uh, will will leak into the gut and cause um, the immune system to go wild because you start creating memory cells uh, from the antigenic entry. As those memory cells uh, grow in size, grow in number rather, every time an antigen goes in, you overreact to it and you produce an awful lot of antibodies, which equals a lot of inflammation. When you have a lot of inflammation, depending on your uh, polymorphisms, you're going to, especially if you have COMT or MAOA or so forth, the, uh, the neural response, okay, is excitation. And uh, when you have, um, like, the COMT or the MAO, acts like a, a plugging up of a drain, so you get this big backup and you have excitotoxicity, okay? And in, in less than a minute, that's kind of how it works. Yep. Okay. Okay. Sean, anything quick? Now, it's it's the same thing, just reiterating the same thing over again. Um, if, you're going to, if you're going to go with a practitioner and do your research on not only the information but also the information on the practitioner, um, find one that best suits your needs. Everybody's style is different, um, and what one person may uh, like in one other person, uh, it may not be suitable in the other one. So just do your research, people, and... Uh, there you Make go. your decisions wisely. Let me thank you both for uh, spending your time with us tonight and lending us your expertise, and thank everybody for joining us tonight. We hope to see you again next week, and uh, everyone have a good week. Take care. It's been a long road Getting from there to here It's been a long time my time is finally here. I can feel the change in the right now. In case anybody's wondering, okay, um, Cynthia Smith and uh, Sean gave up their time tonight, and I really appreciate it. They're uh, my close colleagues, and um, I've learned an incredible amount from both of them. And I will tell you that we talk to each other about about those kids. And uh, we're very dedicated to eradicating chronic illness because uh, chronic does not mean permanent. And there's a lot of people out there that are suffering. So we also know that you people who are suffering have strength of the soul and strength of the heart. And we appreciate it. And we're going to be right here with you. Okay, so understand, this is our passion in life. This is desire. Okay, and we'll see you again next week. Hang in there, okay? Take care.